it to Riley, who banks it down. Reeves trying to hustle after it, but can't reach it. Now a turnover. Unable to shoot it, though, is Gregor. Then a shot scores! Ryan Reeves deflects a shot from Noah Gregor in front of the net. Oh, man. Uh, that one felt really good. It's, uh, it's been a while just being on the being on the sheet itself. So, um, yeah, it was... Uh, I don't feel good. You know, I, I, I do my best work in front of the net. Usually uh, keep keep the puck in the other guy's hands and I get in front and um, you know, I know he's going to shoot. So um, I've been working on my tips for a couple months now <laughs> while I've been injured. So uh, yeah, I'm glad that one paid off. Monday morning, fan morning show, Sportsnet 590, the band, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. That was uh, Ryan Reeves. We'll get to Leafs in just a second. Shout mm. out to, to Ryan Reeves. And what a return to action for the Toronto Maple Leafs. We're now on the bye week. This is, I mean, it's also the all-star break, but it's also their bye week, which is combined. Mm. Yeah. The zone nope. hockey team's going to keep playing this week That's until right. Thursday. That's right. Heaven forbid the Leafs not take a break for the 900th time uh, this year. You're right. NHL all-star break, so it's going to come eventually for everyone, but... Yeah, a lot of lot of hockey to be played, or well, at least a little hockey to be played between now and Wednesday when the rest of the league shuts her down. Uh, good morning to you, Brent. Great morning to you, uh, Ben good, Ennis. Good morning to Leaf fans. Good morning to Lions fans. Uh, I, we'll we'll get to to the championship Presuming weekend. Presuming you're still with us. Good morning, Lions weekend. fans. Holy cow! It's the hope that'll kill you, right? It's it's. I can confirm. Yeah, it's it's. Coming up with your first postseason series victory in 20-plus years, the first in this generation in six games, finally getting over the hump against a dynastic Lightning team and feeling like the road is paved ahead of you, being the Vegas favorite to win the Stanley Cup and then Mm. losing in five games. It's being up 17 points against the heavily favored opposition mm-hmm. and 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 blowing it in the second half but yeah we see you lions fans it's it's how do you feel as a as a a leaf fan let's 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 put it out there i mean obviously you're you're a little mm-hmm. less biased now that you're you're part of the media but obviously you still wear your fandom on your sleeve yeah um does misery enjoy company like does that give you does that hearten you that there are still because we've lost the Mm -hmm. red Sox, we've lost the cubs we've 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 lost more than a few franchises off the list of of more of uncursed franchises like Mm -hmm. how how does it make you feel that the lines are still there without a a super bowl victory yeah it's interesting that that's the way you frame it honestly i hadn't thought about it in terms of us losing them and who's a part of the club because I could talk myself in either side of it. Like, of course, you don't want to be alone as the last sad sack loser franchise that's been around forever mm. and hasn't won so long. But you kind of like the longer these things, the more of these franchises go away. And to your point, the Lions still very, very much a part of that club. Yeah. The more special you become like Cubs would have been special if they would have broke their drought first. Red Sox would have been special. It was special when they broke it first. But I don't know. The Cubs one felt a little different that it was so much removed from that. Like it wasn't a year later that the Cubs broke their drought. It was over a decade, nearly 20 years. So that's kind of the way I look at it in terms of Lions fans, though, like how I feel for them. I I feel awful. That's crushing. It's twofold, right? It'd be one thing if. The moment just eventually got too big and the Cinderella slipper fell off and everything turned into a pumpkin and you got punched in the mouth and it was over before the game even started. But to have the lead to go up that way, that's a whole nother type of cruel for a franchise that doesn't have experience. You know, there's that picture that's been going around of the kid and he's like eating a pizza slice and he's in the Lions jersey and he's got his Michigan hat on. And that kid has seen more winning in his life than his parents probably had in the time it took to make him. Feels great to be a Lions fan for that kid. For that kid. But 
this is what it feels like is the unexpected. And I just keep going back to that is if they would have just got punched in the mouth by the 49ers and the Cinderella run would have come to an end, that almost is easier than it to have gone the way it went yesterday. No doubt. Yeah. Uh, if the Leafs would just, uh, well, <laughs> you're about to say if they just laid an egg against the Panthers, but they did. Well, no, I was going to say if they, they just lost as they, they normally do in the first round, uh, perhaps it would have been easier. I I don't know if that's true either. Well, it's funny because we can't even, not to make everything about the Leafs, but we already did. It's like we can't even do the thing of, well, at least there would have been changes. Mm, yeah. Because there, there were. Sure, sure. Big, big changes, by which I mean they already, you know had signed up to bring back the general manager before the result of the first-round series. So, yeah, if they had lost in the first-round series against the Lightning, who knows? I mean, maybe Kyle Dubas doesn't feel as emboldened to push for more money yeah, like he did. And, and maybe he's – actually, maybe you get fewer changes mm. if if the Leafs lose in, in the first round of the Lightning. Anyways, <laughs> enough about that. <laughs> Let's talk about you how – You asked me about playoff failures. I'm not surprised we w- the winding, twisty road took us back there. Let's talk about the ultimate palate cleanser the okay. first half for the Toronto Maple Leafs. So here, here are the list of things that got accomplished in that victory okay. in Winnipeg against the Jets. Me. Ilya Samsonov, three-game winning streak now with a save percentage of 960 over that span. Might as well be 300 years. John Tavares, first point in 10, first goal in 11 for him. Power play. Goes two for three mm. after the top unit gets benched the game previous. Ryan Reeves playing his first game. We just heard from him. First game since December 14th scores. Mm. And he's a physical presence multiple times in that hockey game and, and was a plus until the meaningless goal. Yeah, it doesn't come. Uh, and Simon Benoit. Mm-hmm. I mean, just Don't cherry. Bury the lead. Cherry on top. Into the empty net. His first goal as a Toronto Maple Leaf. What a what a beautiful, positive Narrative reset for this team as they head into uh, a, a lot of days off here. Yeah, much uh, much smaller on the ledger, but I'll throw one more at you. Noah Gregor on the Reeves goal. He picks up his first assist or first point in five games. Like, it just felt like it wasn't cookie night. This wasn't a 7-2 win or anything along those lines. Even Oh, I feel like we missed one. Uh, Austin Matthews, 600, yeah. 640. Yeah, yeah, yeah. S- sorry, not 640. Yeah. 600 <laughs> points, 40 goals. But it's just, I mean, that's I mean, every day. A, oh, every day. Is it not a matter of time until he's uh, getting there? Like we're 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 getting close to. We've already seen four hundred. Mm-hmm. It's it's remarkable. What uh, of those things? Power ranking. I mean, Samsonov is the most meaningful. Like let's not even sugarcoat that for a second. What's the most? What provides the Leafs with the biggest kind of boost emotionally, momentum wise? I mean, again, like let's remove Samsonov from the equation because he is so far well, away the biggest. Okay, piece what are of the you puzzle. asking? Okay, because yeah, you're right. Samsonov is the most impactful to I'm just the re- wins and I'm losses. I'm just removing ledger. him because he's so clearly the most. Okay, important. but there is another one that's like not far behind him as far as the impact on the wins and losses. Yeah, I think I know where and you're I, going with I this. I think it's kind of they're kind of the John Tavares and the power play thing are kind of tied yeah. to each other, right? And that's he still hasn't. Scored five on five in uh, in a dog's age. Mm-hmm. It's been a while for him, and uh, it's going to be at least another week. It it certainly is, and and you know, it, it not exactly the most dominant five on five scorer a season ago. He had eighteen goals in the power play, right? This yep. is where he m- makes his bread and butter, and it's been a disappointing season on the power play, specifically for for John Tavares. But yeah, those are the, the Leafs need. Like I said, they need. Average to above average goaltending, mm-hmm. and they need to have a dominant power play, which they did a season ago. They're second in the NHL in power play percentage. The two goals against the Jets on Saturday bumps them up to ninth. 
yeah. in the league. Like that's if we can talk about emotional. When you said the well, like what's the biggest emotional mm-hmm. boost? I do think there's something to Ryan Reeves for sure. At 37 years old, a guy that's you know again just answering questions asked of him of Luke yep. Fox, but putting his heart on his sleeve and yeah, the money's something, and mm-hmm. obviously the Leafs gave him more than anybody else would, and had to. Uh, lock him up for three years to 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 land him in Toronto, but this is a proud professional. He mm-hmm. wants to be out there, and certainly um, he he wants to be able to be a positive presence in that locker room. And it's hard to be that when you're not playing in hockey games. So, like emotionally, it's Ryan Reeves. But you're talking to me like, what's the most impactful thing? What's the thing that like should buoy Leafs fans' feelings about this team going yeah. into the second half of the season? It's the fact that the power play looked not just found the back of the net twice, looked a whole lot different than they did on Wednesday. Okay, so I think the thing you said at the end there is the most important, but let me throw another question at you. Would you feel differently if it went one for three and it wasn't a five on three at the end of the game and they don't score on that? Like, I'm not going to say, oh, it's five on three, that's a guaranteed goal because we've seen one, Mm -hmm. it's a far guarantee that they ever get those in this league, Uh, well, the least specifically, and two, this power play's gone ice cold with five on three. Look, like some of the, and again, like we don't need to nitpick the entire game, but both of the penalties that give the Leafs the five on three at the end of that game, you know, bit of a soft cross check to Brody and then the slash on Tavares stick there. I do think we're having a touch of a different conversation if it's just the one power play goal. Like, it breaks the snide, but it doesn't quite feel the same way. Do you feel any way different about that? No. The the, the first power play goal, I mean, again, look at the game. Look at the way the power play. I agree. Look look at aesthetically the the way they scored first on the power. Like, look at the way they they generated the opportunities. This is not a team waiting around, waiting for something to happen, waiting for somebody to just clear the lane to the front of the net. No, they were moving the puck around, and you know what? Taking shots from the point, looking for tips, looking mm-hmm. for rebounds in front, looking for, like, not the most beautiful goals. Yep. Those weren't the most beautiful goals you'll ever you'll ever see this uh, five-man power play unit score. No, yep. it, it looked like a discernibly different strategy on the power play than we saw on Wednesday. Yeah, I thought the same thing, but I have seen a bit of, well, they get gifted a five-on-three at the end of the game, and when when else in the world is Austin Matthews as, uh, I think it was, uh, I'm totally blanking on Buddy's name, but uh, Colby's partner from Chicklet's Game Notes, he had the great line of, you do not let Matthews just tee off from the red tees, uh, let alone on a power play there. So I think that that, but the, the point you make is a good one, that it wasn't just a numbers thing. It's not, well, you know, it was a greasy goal at the tail end of a power play. No, it was the Tavares tip. You, I mean, you can't bank on that because it hasn't happened for a big, big chunk of the year, but right. that is what you should be able to bank on. And, you know, quite frankly, the idea that it's Morgan Riley kind of fluttering the puck at the net there, and I don't say that as an insult. That's what you want. We so often get accustomed to the idea of this big bomb from the point, and, yeah, when it looks like Matthews did on his goal, it's a little different, but you love to see that. You know, the Reeves thing, I actually... You know, I don't I don't want to make too much of it, but I also don't think it can be overstated how important it is for the team. I, I have heard the idea, and I wonder where you're at on it, if, of if this little, you don't want to call it a send-off by any means because I don't think the team's done with him necessarily. But well, and especially the, the injury to Kelly Yarncroft Yarn- op- opens up uh, uh, some opportunity for him to stick. But do you think that this, like, again, it could not have gone any better for him. He gets the goal. It's in his hometown. Not only that, 
just by sheer happenstance. At the end of the game, when things get a little greasy, he's out there and he mm-hmm. gets to be enforcer. Do you think this actually materially, I don't want to say changes anything to the point where Ryan Reeves, be, Ryan Reeves becomes some key cog for the Leafs, but do you feel like this allows him to have now a bit of a reset? Because for me, this really does. It seems like, okay, everyone was able to get through the super choppy waters that were him publicly stating, I'm not hurt, but I'm on IR. Back in the lineup, he gets a goal. He runs his mouth a little bit. And it does seem like you, you know, it's never going to be him flexing coming in on opening night where it's a true fresh start that way. But it does feel like now with the all-star break and the fact that he doesn't have to look over his shoulder with the yarn crock injury, a bit of a time for for a reset with the player in the team. I mean, that's as ideal as it could have gone for Ryan Reeves. Um, it's about as poorly at Nick Ehlers. I forgot to mention that. Right. And I was like, oh, who's he got there? And I was oh, like, oh, right. Yeah, right. that's not going to be fight is it um would have been fun to see that that was the best 60 minute ryan reeves that you could possibly hope for and scoring a goal like yeah that, that that's not a part it of was the, a nice tip too like sure was, it was it was a nice tip it's not part of the arsenal that you expected to see at a ryan reeves that was about as good as it can get for ryan reeves on saturday hockey night in canada in his hometown uh a comeback win against a canadian opponent perfect couldn't ask for anything better. You couldn't have gotten anything worse than the first 10, 15 games of Ryan Reeves' mm-hmm. Toronto Maple Leafs career. And part of that is, yeah, he's 37 years old with the balky knee, and there's not a lot of depth on this Leafs team. Yep. And part of it is, like, hey, getting acclimated with the new team. And part of it is just plain dumb luck. Like, every time he stepped onto the ice, a goal went in the Maple Leafs' net. Yep. And it wasn't always his fault. In fact, I would say, like... Fewer than 50% of the times that the puck went into his net, it was his fault. But he was on the ice, and he just Mm -hmm. kept racking up these minuses that it became untenable for him to get on the ice. I mean, so as much as, hey, you can't expect what you got on Saturday from Ryan Reeves every time he's out there on the ice now going forward, which I assume is now an extended run considering the injury concerns Mm -hmm. the Maple Leafs have up front, you couldn't have expected that, that run of negative results to to continue it did it continued way longer than i ever anticipated it and and the leafs were doing everything within their power to shorten those shifts up and and he was playing what like five minutes a a game by the end of 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 his run there before getting injured so yeah it 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 feels like a reset in that hey um it's not going to be as bad as it started and and i don't think anybody rightly is expecting it to be as good as it was on saturday how about him just be a normal like non-negative contributor on the fourth line playing like six, seven minutes a game. Of I will pick up on all the great points you just made, but I have to say there is nothing that hammers home how ridiculous it is to talk about this team every day for a living. How, you know, with Blue Jays, the standard that we always clamored for one day wasn't. Now it's winning a playoff game. You know, before it was scoring a run and Kevin Kiermaier, attaboy, good job by you. Now winning a playoff game. But forever it was... Oh, you just want some meaningful September baseball. Leaf fans are like they're coming out of a war. What do we say every day? They just get to be a normal team. It's a normal player. It's a nor- it is remarkable. It really hammers home just how this last, I mean, you know, 40 years, but really this last half decade, decade have gone. In terms of Reeves, the interesting thing for me is that they they will need him more with Yarncroc out. And, you know, I I don't think we have a ton of clarity on whatever it is the injury that put McMahon on injured reserve Mm. is. But I don't think 
the idea is that he is necessarily overly hurt or he'll be out for a long stretch well, of time? I mean, McMahon is on IR and Yarncroft hasn't yet been, despite the fact yeah. that he has a broken hand yes. and is going to miss like three to four weeks, it's yeah. understood. Yeah, so I think, well, the thing I look at with McMahon is that, is that a, like, how do they go about if they want to bring him back up, do they want to keep him hungry? Do they want to keep Reeves in the lineup? How much of this will be matchup dependent? Like they're coming out of it with a game against the Isles at home where you're going to have last change. I think all these things are going to be part and parcel. And I think what I go back to about the idea of a reset for him and this, you know, again, I've I've made the complaint a billion times that this break couldn't come at a worse time for Samson. It feels like it comes at the best time possible for this Leafs team though, is that now you just allow Reeves to be your kind of, to your point, normal 12th, 13th forward. He's in the lineup sometimes. He's not in the lineup. If he has a rough stretch, you take him out. If you need the deterrent, you put him in. If somebody needs to, you know, have a wake-up call and they need to go sit down, he's a guy who can come back into the lineup. Like, I think it was just massively important for a player who, you know, again, we don't need to overstate the cap implications of it, but it's not this year. It's not next year. It's one more beyond that. So you definitely want to find a way to to make it work. Uh, anything else on Revo for you? You want to want to move on? Yeah. No, I, I just that Ryan Reeves was uh, acquired and signed with a three-year contract for a reason. That reason didn't dissipate because he became yeah. unplayably bad. That still is... Well, if, I, if, think, if it, I think it did a little, though. Can you be... So what was the thing he said? Of like, yeah, he's going to be the nuclear deterrent. Mm. I'm be loud in the room. I'm be yapping. Can you be? Can you be if you just don't play? You can be if you play occasionally. Mm-hmm. You can't be if you do not play. Yeah, so how is that not a, 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 well, an think, important factor that for what, this team anymore? Well, no, what I'm saying, though, is that I don't think you could... It, if you felt it was a needed thing, and clearly this group felt it was, you go out and acquire that player. But mm-hmm. if the player cannot play on the ice, right. that stuff will never be so important Correct. that you have to keep putting this player in the lineup. So I'm just saying that you still want those things from him, but it clearly had proven to a point where that stuff was not valuable enough to to hurt yourself in the way you well, were put in the Well, I mean, lineup. what comes first, right? Like, the, does that beget winning, or does winning beget that other I stuff, mean, right? Like, he was, you know he was so unplayable. <laughs> sure. Um, I think that stuff still exists, that this team is not, like, the tightest knit unit in the National Hockey League, and clearly, you know, there was an on-ice deterrent element mm-hmm. to his acquisition. It was also, like, a team chemistry uh, there was a team at chemistry element to, to his acquisition. And to your point, like you can't be the social convener either if you're not playing in hockey games. Um, but yeah, you also can't like that doesn't become bigger priority than winning hockey games. No. And if like literally every time he steps yeah. onto the ice, there's a goal going in behind you. There's only so much you can do right now yeah. that that's not happening anymore, despite the fact that he was still on the ice for a goal against in the hockey game. But yeah, scored. And, and I think mm-hmm. everybody would look at his performance is very like neutral mm-hmm. at, at the worst and and probably positive because he, he scored a goal and then the physical nature of it yeah i i think that once again you can reintroduce that element to it that this guy can now not feel sheepish setting up the the team dinner you know on the road uh the second half of the season yeah i i yeah you're you're right about that i guess i guess what i was getting to and it's just the frustration i have and it's a way bigger conversation than we need to have today but it's just the and we've had this debate when he was signed we've had him a million times since is that that's important but if you you know like let's remove it from a hockey team aspect and make it your work you know if you bring somebody in to be a culture setter you can't like be the guy who who makes coffee and gets bagels okay like he's got to be a guy who 
matters. Unless really. that's his job, right? As long as long as he doesn't burn the bagels. That's the thing. The bagels, the bagels were not I, being acquired. I the just, coffee was not being acquired. It was the wrong orders. Yeah, I disagree. Spilling I, it all over everybody. Like if if that's his job is to be the bagel coffee guy. Uh, and, and nobody had any uh, illusions about that being his role. And it's like, and he's also like the guy that changes the mood in the office when he's there. Yeah, but I think that guy has to be, I like, I, I think that that person has to be a person who matters materially. He can't just be, it, if there are. Well, then then you disagreed with the signing from the outset because he was never going to be that guy. I did disagree with the signing from the outset. And that's where I'm at at the, the end of this is just, I think that it goes to, yes, it's good to have a social convener. Yes, it's good to have somebody who gets everybody going and I'm thrilled that he was able to find something it's just unless I get maybe this is a better point to make it it is not good enough for him to simply exist and be that role for it to be a value to me and take up a roster spot in the cap space and all that it needs to be able and how many times we talked about this some personality trait or another needs to be able to rub off it needs to be sticky it needs to get on other guys on the team like there needs to be some element to that that gets transferred Mm -hmm. into the actual core of this team and you know, that's a conversation we've been having about leadership, about grit, about a million different things. And I don't see why this one would be any different. Yeah, see, to me, there's two things. There's like the the physical deterrent and, hey, like, hey, is this guy... Which I'm what, here for. What, is this guy going to, you know, knock some people around in the ice and then, you know, he's going to make everybody feel a lot tougher while they're on the ice? Like that part, I understand what you're talking about, that that can't come from a guy that's playing five minutes a game because mm-hmm. we've seen that before. We've, we've, we've seen... You know, we've seen the toughness attempt to be stapled on mm-hmm. to this team and it doesn't work. But the other part, the off-ice stuff, yeah, I think that still remains true. And it's impossible for me to quantify. But sure. if people that are in the locker room, people that are uh, more in communication with the people mm-hmm. behind the scenes believe that's a, a thing. And I guess Brad Living had a very small sample of, yeah. of interacting with this team beforehand. But from all the information he got, thought it was important, that still remains important. It's impossible for him to be a positive influence on that if he's not playing or not, or not, if he's negatively affecting these hockey games, if he can get back to neutral, then then he can perhaps uh, re-enter the conversation on that. So we mentioned Austin Matthews, 40 goals already this season. It's not yet February. Notably, that was his goal total from a season ago. <laughs> uh, 600 points in his career, uh, fastest Toronto Maple Leaf to reach that point, Mark. Sorry, Marner. Uh, shouldn't we look back at last season as actually, like, just utterly incredible? Like, twofold. Mm. One, that, like, he obviously had a, a wrist injury that required surgery in the offseason. Yep. That he got to 40 in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> and two, that they won a first-round series with a diminished version of the guy that allows you to have hope about this generation of Leafs hockey. They won a six-game series in which he what did he put up five goals in the, yeah, he the was six games? In that six game against, series, and yeah. then scored none mm-hmm. against the the Panthers. It, it did have me reflecting on a season ago that he matched the goal total from a year ago, and it's not yet February. It, just go back and before this era of Leafs hockey existed. His floor is kind of the ceiling that you could expect from offensive player. I mean, you know, we go back to like the Dougie era where he's putting up hundred plus points. And there's certainly some of that, but in recent Leafs history, the floor that he is capable in, in a year where he's banged up and is playing through injury and needs surgery in the off season has been the best thing that, that a lot of people have ever seen in their life or in their memories that they can actually, you know, access and remember it is remarkable the run he goes on you're right I do think we have to look back at last year a little differently but why were they able to do that and you know I don't want to take anything away from him that he was able to play through it and find a way but 
Mitch Marner had a truly transcendent season last mm-hmm. year. And I know he finished with 99 points and that's, you know, that's cruel of the hockey gods. It's fun for me to make my little jokes, but it's cruel because he deserved a hundred points last year. He was, he was that good of a player. And I think that that's been kind of the difference. Or if you compare and contrast this season, to last season is just that Matthews had a, for him, such a down year and Marner was able to buoy the team with his play. Nylander was able to buoy the team with, with his play. And I mean, you know, we don't need to rehash this conversation a million times. It's just the rest of the roster looked very different as well. And, but yeah, I think that's the thing I keep coming back to with this is it kind of, it's, it's why the much like the floor is very high for Austin Matthews in terms of, you know, I'm not going to say he's never going to score less than 40. Eventually, you know, father time comes for all of us, but that's why the floor is high for this Leafs team. Because, you know, John Tavares, okay, like slow decline, fast decline, and whatever, however you feel about that. So long as the Leafs have those three guys and they got two of them under contract and one of them's going to sign an extension at some point in time in Mitch Marner, Mm -hmm. that as long as one of them kind of has one of the years they're truly capable of, it's amazing what it can paper over. That's the thing I kind of keep coming back to when you bring up the 40 goals and how down of a year it was. He, he, his career is almost like a microcosm for this Leafs team in this Leafs era in that way yeah he um is obviously capable of much more it was it was a bizarre situation to go through a season in which it was like ah the counting numbers aren't aren't awful but this is a guy that scored 60 goals before um what exactly is happening here and and pretty clearly I mean we knew this because factually he went under the knife for uh, an injury mm-hmm. or maintenance or whatever. Something was obviously hampering him to the tune of him only scoring a mere 40 goals Again. and only leading Bomb. the team in goals, but a tied for the team lead <laughs> in goals. So uh, yeah, no, we're, we're all the way back on Austin Matthews. It's, it is uh, remarkable. Um, last thing I want to hit on, on this game. And it was something you brought up in text yesterday, but yeah, I wanted to, to bring up as well is uh, didn't response. I don't think you like my text back, but that's okay. Uh, no, I liked it a lot. Um, Could have given me the thumbs up. You know how sensitive I am. Uh, right. William Nylander uh, is called for goalie interference on the ice, mm. negating what could have been like just another add to the list I, of the, ulti- the, the ultimate palate cleanser. <laughs> it was almost totally complete. And in an alternate reality in which the NHL uh, head offices here in Toronto get the call right, Tyler Bertuzzi is scoring a goal, his mm-hmm. first in a million years as well. Um, but it's negated immediately on the ice. And I, I, I think clearly if that had been called a goal on the ice, the, the Jets don't challenge that because they look, what was it, Dylan DeMello that yeah. cross-checked? Well, well they don't Nylander. have Jordan Bean, so they wouldn't have known. Either. But I got to say, like, for a team trying to achieve the, the perfect uh, replay season, <laughs> that, was, that was a rough one. Uh, uh, Mercury Morris and the Dolphins. I don't know if they do it for all sports, including video coaches. But, yeah, popping the champagne after uh, the Leafs go over there. I, I said it. I was working the game with uh, Justin Cuthbert in here, and I, I said it to him the second it happened. I said, ah, they never wave it off. I feel like the quick wave off, it's not as much of a thing anymore. Now, classic griping, I know, but that's going to be the defining call. That There's no way they're going to skew from it. I think it's a bad call. The Leafs ended up, Leafs ended up not getting killed by it. So we, you know, I will not be screaming bloody murder from the rafters like I would have if that would have been something that ended up deciding the game. But I think the thing that frustrates me the most about that is, is that, Ben, like you're, you're an adult, you've watched hockey uh, your whole life. Yeah. Is that... Forty percent of the goals you've seen scored in the Stanley Cup playoffs in yeah. your life. Thirty. Well, I was gonna, along those. You lines. know what? The sixty-minute hockey game put forth by William Nylander was, I thought, spectacular. Like I, I thought, I mean, even on his partial breakaway, just like taking the puck to the net 
for the the first time in a, mm-hmm. in a while, right? Yep. Since this swoon, and I don't know if it was you that mentioned it. Somebody yeah. was one of our guests was mentioning that yeah, just in the the point, you know, the fallow point um, in his season mm-hmm. here, which seems to coincide with signing a ninety two million dollar extension. It's amazing how that works. It's though. it's been a different. William Nylander, as far as the direction he's skating, and it's no longer towards the net. Mm-hmm. To me, that was an encapsulation of where he's at his best, when he's close to the net, when he's interested in being in front of the scoring area, and to have that negated yeah. wrongly by replay, it, that's, I mean, and again, taking the goal away from Tyler Bertuzzi, who desperately needs it, that was that was hurtful. Uh, that was brutal, and yeah, it was actually a, a question I very astutely asked Justin Bourne, uh, so it was, it was b- b- our guest agreeing with a great observation by me. Yeah, I thought it was a lot more north-south in that game. You see him there. Again, it's, it's we finally got out of this, I think, although if he has another bad week after this cut, well, he can't have, good news is he can't have a bad week uh, this week. Cause if, if he's loafing uh, at the all-star game, I don't think even, even uncles and Mimico, I don't think we'll get mad about, about that one. But I, you look at it and you see that's player go look at where he scores all his goals from and don't close your eyes and think about it because you'll think of the whirling dervish Willie and he's flying around. Go look at his, his shot chart, his goal mapped in the blue paint, inside the dots, everything's in tight. That's where he lives when he's most dangerous. And it's because he's so strong. It's because he's so quick. And you just want to see him back in, in that area. And the the thing I have to keep telling myself about Bertuzzi is that he's going to be so snake bit all season long. And then he's not going to be able to go a shift without one bouncing in off him in the playoffs. This was his MO. Not that they were all bounced in, but mm-hmm. last year, same exact guy. It's brutal. You would have loved to have seen him get that. I actually am genuinely shocked the hockey gods, not only, you know, like I'm not shocked the hockey gods allowed that to go in, but I'm shocked the hockey gods didn't hack into the video review room in Toronto because new baby, you get your goal. That's kind of, that's that's kind of the rule. Mm -hmm. Um, One other thing from the, from the game. I'm good on that. Do you have anything you want to, uh, the other thing was just Hellybuck. For all the, it's funny, we did our conversation heading into the first Jets game of, is he the guy you'd bank on? And I don't feel any differently about him than I did, but man, he was fighting it on, on Saturday night. That was not the 10 beller after 10 beller Connor Hellybuck. And, you know, I'm not going to sit here and kill him on the Tavares tip or the Matthews goal. It actually wasn't the goals that I thought were bad, but it just felt like for a guy who you sit there and again, for a, you know, a goalie who you watch, I don't know, five, ten times a year, maybe, if you see him that often, where you think of him as so calm, so composed, so collected, everything's easy. Everything felt hard on on Saturday night for him. Just felt like a lot of rebounds kind of flying off him. Wasn't wasn't trapping the puck the way he would want to. And again, like the individual goals, I don't think you really kill him on too much at all. Especially, I mean, especially the Matthews and Tavares. But yeah, that's uh, that that was just something that jumped out to me. And it's kind of the nature of goaltending. Again, mm-hmm. I don't. I this is not me having a referendum on Hellybuck or anything like that. But it's goalies, man, and it's amazing that well, Samsonov was able to outduel him. Yeah, and who doesn't think that we're in for a bad Samsonov night? after what shot number one gets behind God, him you're right yeah we didn't even talk about that the first shot of the game that was the other interesting thing is there's been a lot of talk coming out of this i feel like of once again leafs don't start on time leafs don't start on time that i that wasn't quite what that looked like to me they outshot the aisles 5-1 to start the game mm-hmm. it was now i will say this is maybe more damning than not starting on time is the second one thing goes bad you get put on your back foot and you're caught reeling for basically a period because that is what I thought happened in the game. I thought the Leafs were the better team throughout the bulk of that game. But after the first goal mm-hmm. goes in, it did feel like it took them a little while. You know, it's the old Mike Tyson. Like, everybody has to play until they get punched in the mouth. Felt like they got popped pretty good there by a goal that, again, 
he would have liked to have had back, but kudos to Samsonov for regrouping and kudos to the team for being able to find their feet eventually. Uh, and uh, unfortunately for Mark Shifley, unable to, uh, to, to, to put his team on the board. No, he got to watch his favorite team on Saturday night, so well, it was okay. So here's the deal. Uh, December 2021, you may recall a viral moment tweeted out, I believe, by the Winnipeg Jets they official did. social yes, media <laughs> account uh, inside the, the, the dressing room after a victory over the Toronto Maple Leafs. Mark Shifley saying, is there anything better than beating the Leafs? Well... Since then, uh, the Winnipeg Jets, 0-6. <laughs> now, they picked up a loser point on Wednesday, but yeah, it's it's been uh, nothing but uh, Maple Leaf victories since that moment in uh, December of 2021. Uh, lots more Leaf discussion coming up after 7 o'clock, but coming up next, we have our Super Bowl matchup, and it was my ideal matchup going into the weekend. Mm. I got what I so desired on yep. so many fronts, you including, hate America. including being correct on the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, that and more next as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Annis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Big guests and bigger opinions on everything happening in Leafsland. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Snap again. She's trying to push the pocket. Jackson throws deep middle to the end zone. Intercepted. Intercepted in the end zone. Intercepted by Dion Bush. Back to back turnovers in the end zone by the Baltimore Ravens. And Jackson makes a mistake throwing into the teeth of the Chiefs coverage. Three Chiefs were back there. The story of this game in the second half, the Chiefs defense. A flip by Richie James Jr. That means this game is over. And you can doubt the Chiefs. You can dislike the Chiefs. You can disrespect the Chiefs. You're going to have to deal with the Chiefs being the AFC champions for the fourth time in five seasons. The Chiefs have the Lamar Hunt trophy. And they're taking it to Vegas for Super Bowl 58. The Chiefs are still the Chiefs and believe it. <laughs> you got to fight for your right to party. Believe it, baby. We're going to Las Vegas, Nevada, to go get us another one. Van Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, the van. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. That was uh, voice of the Chiefs, Mitch Holtis. And then it was Travis Kelsey. Was it, it MCA? Was Beastie Boys. Was yeah. it MCA? No, it wasn't. Uh, Chiefs are who I thought they were again. Or was the AFC who you thought they were? Mm, we can talk about yeah, that. Yeah, we can. All right. Uh, we got our Chiefs 49ers Super Bowl yeah. matchup. A uh, couple of great games. A couple of very different mm-hmm. games, right? Uh, low scoring affair in Baltimore, although it didn't start off that way. I thought no. it was going to be a shootout between those two quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. And then in San Francisco, we got the insane comeback. Let's start in the AFC, though, because that's where I was so very, very right. So right. Like, it's it's unbelievable how right mm-hmm. I was about this Chiefs team that I saw the regular season you saw. I saw the most drop passes in the NFL. I saw the lack of weapons at Patrick Mahomes' disposal. I also saw the second-best scoring defense in the NFL mm-hmm. and maybe the best defensive secondary in all of the NFL. And I told y'all, let's let's just wait. Let's hold off on, on planning the funeral for this Chiefs team until we see them not make an AFC Chiefs game, which they went out and did, went on the road to do it, had the home game, of course, in minus one billion degree temperatures, which feels like a million years ago because, like, winter's over now, we're in spring. But they, uh, they, they hammered the fraud Dolphins. They mm-hmm. went to Buffalo and stared down uh, 
a very good quarterback in Josh Allen and took the Bills lunch. And then they went on the road to a team that, like, we we talked about it in evaluating this matchup last week with Charles Davis. There's no reason, like, roster for roster to prefer the Chiefs over the Ravens except for the guy behind center, Patrick Mahomes, who didn't light the world on fire offensively. But look at the turnovers. Three for the Ravens. Mm -hmm. Look at the turnovers for the Chiefs. Zero. Two of those turnovers by the Ravens as well, coming one on the goal line and two, an interception into the end zone. The clip we just played you into triple coverage for Lamar Jackson. Now, Lamar Jackson is who we thought he was until proven otherwise. Mm -hmm. And sorry, a win against the Texans doesn't take that away from me. And Patrick Mahomes is who I thought he was, knew who he was until he proves that he's not that guy. Okay, so uh, again, I would just like to—I'd like to quote uh, my my second favorite Edmonton Oiler. I, I lied, third because I love Connor Brown, Leon Drysaddle. Uh, just great observations by you, every last one of them. Thank you. Yeah, the, great, great observations. Yeah, Thank I, you. I agree with that. Uh, the the other thing I, I would say about that is I'm just going to ask you a question because again, I do not want to. Like, is your shoulder okay from patting yourself on the back so aggressively? I was just so right. No, no, again, you were. So I'm, I'm just, so right. I'm going to set and you And you were up. so wrong about the Eagles. But I'm go gonna, ahead. I was very, and I, the perfect it. team. Uh, is there a, a flaw oh God, in in you? that? In that oh, yeah, no, the entire uh, defensive unit. But yeah. yes, go ahead. No, it's actually the biggest flaw in that team was uh, the coaching staff. And they're like, you know what? The players aren't the problem. <laughs> not the guys that got 10 wins. Definitely not their fault. Let's run back the coaching staff. That's neither here nor there. You were right about both these things, so I'm going to give you a chance to mm -hmm. pick which way you would like to be right, and I suppose both these things can be true. I think definitely elements of it. Which is more true, AFC full of frauds or Chiefs truly great? Like, again, I'm not I, – I, I love to do the pump the brakes on the Brady mm -hmm. thing, and we'll have that conversation in a second. I think we don't need to do that as much anymore. I'll just preface this conversation with that. But which was more true? Is this a case of Patrick Mahomes just being truly undeniable, which, again, mm -hmm. I'm not poo-pooing if you go the other way, or do you think this was a case of uh, Dak Prescott AFC showing his, uh, showing his head at the end of that game and Lamar I, Jackson I, and Josh Allen's the guy who always does, uh, who goes toe-to-toe -to -toe but never seems to have enough? Fraud Dolphins, to your point, which is more true? No, I, I think it's the Mahomes thing is true. Now, granted, like, again, the turnovers don't look good, and especially the, the final one for Lamar Jackson. Like, I was ready to have this conversation about Lamar Jackson not being great, not being perfect. You've been dying the, to, quite honestly. But the, the, the running game let them down. Um, Zay Flowers let him down until, yeah, the interception in a one-score game into triple coverage. And, and, yeah, you can put plenty now on Lamar Jackson in that game. I think it's, man... The, the parallels to the, the Brady era are are so numerous. And part of it is, and boy, you got a long way to go until you're Peyton Manning, but this is he's gonna win a second MVP award here. But until Peyton Manning got one, it was like, well, what are you gonna do? You play in the Tom Brady era, right? Like what what are you gonna do? What are you supposed to do? This is the Patrick Mahomes era, especially in the AFC. And one guy's beating him in the postseason. Uh -huh. And so the, the, if you talk about the best quarterbacks in the AFC, it's only a two-man conversation. It's Joe Burrow and it's Patrick Mahomes. Mm -hmm. And it's like Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, maybe they'll have another shot. Yep. And maybe when they punch their way through that team, we can we can include them. But at this point, it's Joe Burrow's the only guy that that you can talk in in real terms about having a rivalry, at least in the postseason with Patrick Mahomes. You This is a, a, a Tiger-Phil Mickelson situation. Mm -hmm. It's like Phil is one of the greatest of all time. Yep. But we don't view him as the greatest of all time because he was bu bumping up against mm -hmm. the greatest of all time. Patrick Mahomes, the fact that he's there and in his prime at the same time as Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen yep. 
and everybody not named Joe Burrow. Sorry, it just it's gonna it's gonna paint your entire career unless he has a season where he's injured or they they stub their toe. But so far in in the what six years that uh, Patrick Mahomes has been playing, they've been in the AFC Championship game every single year, and now in their fourth Super Bowl in five years. Yeah, it's it's remarkable. And again, I have done the pump the brakes on the Brady and the Pats thing. I don't know that we need to do that any anymore. I will I will concede that we. I'm not putting here are there. the numbers. Let me like, okay. I mean just the baseline sure. numbers and the and then I got continue. something to rebut. Yeah, but go yeah, ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so this is Patrick Mahomes' fourth Super Bowl appearance appearance in his six years as quarterback. Uh, of the Kansas City Chiefs, not including the one start he had in what was week 17 of Alex Smith's final season as quarterback of the Chiefs. So since he's been the starter, they've been in the AFC Championship game each and every year. They've made the Super Bowl four out of the last five years, four out of the total six years, the one year at the beginning of the run that they didn't make it. Of course, yeah, the Ford uh, offside and uh, overtime loss to the Patriots. But um, Brady, through his first six years, Mm as starting quarterback of the New England Patriots, had three Super Bowl victories, mm-hmm. only appeared in those three Super Bowls, yep. though, and missed the playoffs once. So, I mean, we we had a, a victory by Patrick Mahomes in two weeks. Mm-hmm. The resume, as far as victories, is the exact same. He's made more Super Bowls and has had a better regular season track record. He will literally be on a better trajectory than Tom Brady if we get a victory from Patrick Mahomes at the Super Bowl in Las Vegas. Traj is great. We're both golf guys. I'll have thrown out that term. The Traj looks wonderful for Mahomes. The The reason why, and I have been from the jump, eh? Hold on. Cool your jets. Not on Mahomes is great. Not on Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL. Not on Mahomes will be the best quarterback of this era. I believe steadfastly all those things. Here's the thing that is always going to jump out to me when we do the Brady comps is that Brady didn't do it for four years or five years or six years. He ate one Super Bowls just with the Patriots. You can throw in the other one there. 17 years apart, okay? Yeah, but, but we can't have no, that. No, we, but, but what are we, we're talking about year six here. Yes, like, I'd what, love to have that conversation in here, but 10 this, more years. This is why we do not... We do not sit here and talk about this is why I don't think you can call a guy the goat. You can sit here and say he's on that trajectory. And as long as calling him the goat, I think uh, I have got to sit here and hear every day that this guy is on a goat trajectory and presume that's true. That's different than saying he's the goat, but it presumes that this will continue to happen. The most amazing thing. Nobody's doing that. I think a lot of people are doing this. They're sitting here going, who's going to stop him? Look at all the quarterbacks. He's he's continued to run the gauntlet. I think a lot of people are gifting him another 10 years of this greatness. I hear all the time, what's going to change about the Chiefs? Oh, they lose Kelsey. Didn't have any pass catchers this year. He's got Andy Reid. Andy Reid, who ain't going anywhere anytime soon as far as coaching age, pretty young. I think what he has done to this point, remarkable cannot take anything away from him. It is when people start to extrapolate this to assume the next 10 years or five years even will go the way this has gone. The other thing I'd like to say... Well, that straw man took a beating, but go ahead. Okay. The other thing I'd like to say is that if we're going to do the... Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen or Joe Burrow, and Joe Burrow maybe is the one guy I feel differently about in this way, is the Peyton Manning... Well, Peyton Manning was in GOAT conversations before Brady became that guy. And I don't Mm -hmm. think anybody looks at Josh Allen and says, that's the GOAT. You know why? Because he ain't the the GOAT. He wasn't the GOAT in his division until Brady left. And he ain't the GOAT in his conference until Mahomes is going to be. We do the exact same thing with Jackson, who, again, I think. Second MVP, though. Incredible. 
is anyone sitting here saying he's on a Peyton Manning trajectory or they think he's going to be that guy? So that's the other part of this is that I don't want to take anything away from Mahomes. What he's done is incredible, but I think the I think the Brady comp, there's just it's more and again, like I understand what we're doing here, but there's more gray area there. Like I think the guys and I'm not taking anything away from Josh Allen and again, I think Joe Burrow's slightly different, him being hurt, I think completely not completely, but definitely changed the AFC equation a little bit this year. But I don't look at Allen and put him on the page that I put Peyton Manning on. I don't think he's going to have a Peyton Manning career. I think it's going to be a very good one. I don't think Lamar Jackson is going to have a Peyton Manning career. I think it's going to be a very, very good one. Joe Burrow, maybe. But even that, probably not going to be a Peyton Manning career. So that is the thing that I think. And again, I'd love to have this debate in 10 years. And well, I wouldn't love to be proven wrong. I think it will eventually be proven right. But that's the thing I keep coming back to with Mahomes is that he is beating everyone who's in front of him. But when we do the Brady comps, it's the run of greatness that he went on. It's not just that he won three in his first four or something along those lines. It's the extrapolated greatness over multiple decades. And in terms of the guys he's going against, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, all very nice quarterbacks, all really, really good. Probably going to be Hall of Famers, at least a couple from that group. Not Peyton Manning. Okay, Peyton Manning had two MVP awards uh, before he won his first Super Bowl at the age of 30. Lamar Jackson will have recorded his second MVP award. He is just now 27 years old. Yeah. Turned 27, January do 6th. You feel, do you feel like Lamar Jackson is as undeniable a force as Peyton Manning was then? I mean, they're very different quarterbacks. Completely like, different quarterbacks. Extremely different. And, yeah, the argument is that in the postseason, he is very um, game planable mm -hmm. against. And totally. I keep going back to the Taylor uh, Luan uh, viral clip that was going around on, on the weekend, the former Titans Which lineman, talking about how you can game plan against Lamar Jackson. It's not easy, and like his physical gifts make it very, very right, difficult right. to execute that game plan. But there is a game plan for Lamar Jackson, and as much as like cover your baby ears, everybody, mm -hmm. it's yeah, this guy has taken incredible steps in the passing game. Yeah, it's to make up. him yeah. pass the football because obviously – you know, throw for throw, he is he's not Patrick Mahomes. Now he can still, you know, come up with incredible throws and boy, if yet he gets a couple more plays um in support of him, we're talking about a different result, but there is a game plan. There's no game plan for Patrick Mahomes. Nope. And look at the 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 passer rating between I mean, look at the difference in passer rating between the regular season one of 98 for Lamar Jackson and the postseason passing record of 75.7. And clearly there's a, a point of delineation there. Now, again, like this is a team that lost by one single score and had an opportunity to take the lead at the end of the football game. But what happened? He threw into triple coverage. Yep. He, he threw an interception. I don't think that he is fatally flawed. Mm -hmm. I, just, I do think that they've, they've run into insanely back-to-back -back and overlapping for that one year, a, a, a dynasty yep. right after the greatest dynasty we've ever seen in the sport. The, I, and it's possible that we're, okay, nobody, again, cover your baby years because nobody's saying <laughs> that they're better for this. than the Belichick-Brady Patriots, but on pace to be better than the Brady-Belichick Patriots. And, yeah, okay, I... I guess the argument to be can be made that the, you can't win in the postseason with Lamar Jackson playing the way he's done. I I I do tend to think you can because they were just a couple of plays away from doing it yesterday. Mm -hmm. But yeah, to me, it's just one guy has it, and you know we talk about all the lucky yep. like uh, hinge plays in no. Tom Brady's career for sure. 
the same thing is happening to Patrick Mahomes because guess what? Those guys are winners. Yep. No, there's th- that part I will wholeheartedly co-sign. Patrick Mahomes is a winner. I'm not going to sit here and tell you otherwise. I'd also like to agree with you on the Lamar point. I don't think he is a guy you can't win with. The interesting thing, and you know, I, I guess I realized this, but I didn't realize quite how stark it was, was that that team has never played with any adversity, I guess, in two years. They never trailed a game like going at home, like going, they flashed the stat on the board that they had not trailed a game going or by more than uh, two scores going back to, I think it was 2020 for the Ravens. When you do not have adversity and you're mm-hmm. against the team that has dealt with so much of it again. And I mean, trailed by 10 points in the fourth quarter of the first Super yeah. Bowl they won. I'm not. And again, this isn't me to take anything away from Mahomes. When you talk about adversity. Chad Henney had to come in to get a couple of huge plays in Super to get them there. So this is not a team. And again, the luck thing, you can go both ways. It's like there's the there's the um there's the tuck rule game against the Raiders and the snowplow coming out. It's like there's also the David Tyree catch. There's the D4 jumping off sides. Sure. These things, these things more or less, I think, even themselves out. I get and I also just wanted to kind of end on this because we're gonna do plenty more NFL. We got to talk about the Lions game as well, is that I'm sorry that you feel like I'm uh, beating up on a straw man here. I guess here's the ultimate thing that I'm trying to say is I very much have time for on pace for numbers in a single season. I think that you can kind of like extrapolate those things out. I don't think you can extrapolate out entire careers when Patrick Mahomes, if he's going to be this guy, still has a half a career left to be this guy. Again, he's 28 years old. If he wants to be Brady, which I think he wants to be, like why wouldn't he want to be, is that you're going to have to do this for another decade. And that's not to say he can't have incredible runs in there, but it it sustained excellence is so hard in a single season. It's hard in a little run. It's impossible borderline. So that's the thing. And I'll, I'll end with this just to put all my cards on the table. Yeah, I'm a little sensitive that the Patriots just had the greatest dynasty of all time, and we did, okay, clean and tucked. We never have to have the GOAT debate ever again in football. Yeah. Four minutes later, I'm not yeah, saying it's you. unbelievable. People are trying to have it or, or priming themselves to have it. I, I, no, I, I, like, I, I can just talk about pace again. Like, yeah. guys on potentially better pace than, than even Tom Brady. Um, but yeah, for some reason you want to talk about 20 years from now. No, I just want to, uh, I just want to talk about, I, I just want to talk about the idea that you can't gift a guy a second half of his career. Again, I feel like, like a lot of I people get, are doing well, that straw man is okay. giving it. That's okay. what he's doing. Yeah. So stop doing that straw them. man. A lot of you out there. All right. Yeah. There's a lot more to get to, uh, from that game. And, uh, yeah, we haven't talked about Dan Campbell who boy has done a narrative 180 in the city of Detroit. We'll see, uh, if the microscope's a little different on him next season. All right. When we come back. Back into the Toronto Maple Leafs, who get the ultimate palate cleanser against the Jets on Saturday. We'll talk to our pal Gord Stelic next as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Annis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan.